that's not fair to do to a nine-month pregnant woman. Uh, I have a hard time, as it is, not crying, uh, but I'll take it, and I appreciate that man right there. If you're married to a good man, say, I'm married to a good man. I am married to a good man. Welcome. Let me absolutely get to welcome you. Hopefully, you have felt the excitement and the energy of what tonight holds and how jacked up we get around here um, for this night. We make a big deal about making sure that you have an experience that you can relate to, that you can connect to God, um, and that you can walk away feeling renewed, replenished. Um, and and I, I can't quite put into words how excited um, and how, how much I look forward to this night. I have been praying for you. I have been anticipating and, uh, and waiting for each of you to get here, and I am so pumped, so pumped um, about, about what is getting ready to happen. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. So the words that we know, um, and if you're familiar with that hymn, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, what is it? It is well with my soul. That's right. And uh, I have been living this mantra the past couple of, um, couple of months. Um, when we found out that baby number four was on the way, um, I don't know if I would have said as my first response, it's, it's well, it's good, all is well. <laughs> um, and as that date has come closer and, you know, we make plans for um, baby number four, um, there, there have been challenging moments, right? There have been um, thoughts and emotions and uh, things that roll through your head. And in January, Jason and I had a conversation and I just decided, I'm going to say this until it's true. It is well. It is well. It is well with my soul. It is well. It is well. And I believe that several of the personal experiences that I've been through the past couple of months, which you'll get to hear some of those um, throughout the message tonight, has been very intentional on the part of the Holy Spirit. If you know anything about kind of teaching or preparing for messages, a lot of times it works like this at our house. God kind of puts us through it so that we can lead somebody else through it. You know what I mean? It never fails that as soon as uh, Jason and I get ready to maybe tackle a marriage series, what do you think happens? More fights than you could possibly imagine, disagreeing about the little things, right? But God's teaching us something so that we can speak with conviction, so that we can relate and share and, and, and preach or speak or teach from a place that's relevant and, and that's heartfelt, and we can come out and stand on the other side of it and say, let me tell you right now, I've been there. You know what I mean? Amen? So this is where, this is where I'm at, just right in the thick of it, in the power of those words. If you even knew how many times I have listened to a, a hundred versions. I have Spotify, if y'all know what Spotify is. So I just made like a It Is Well playlist. Like I got every translation, version, song, rendition, cover of that song. I like the old gospel piano version. I, I'll take it acapella. I'll take it sped up. I'll t I just, I love it. I love it. I love it. And those words have come to mean so much. And what is counterintuitive about this idea of 
saying, whatever my lot, whatever my lot, I can say it is well. Now, here's the problem, okay, because I get to talk to just ladies tonight, so I, I, I'm going to kind of speak from some assumptions, okay? So if I'm not, if I'm not dead on, that's okay, but we'll, we'll go with it. The temptation for us when we hear it is well is that we maybe assume it's like a canned or a trite or a cliche response, like, oh, it's fine. It's all good. It's fine. It's, listen, never better. I'm good. <laughs> it's fine. It's not fine. It's not fine, right? But we, we, we can um, translate it as well into this kind of disingenuine, uh, it's, it's good, all, all is well, it's fine. <laughs> Meanwhile, you know, like the house is burning down and the kids are, you know, playing in the fire and the smoke or whatever. It's fine, it's fine, right? So these words are not meant to be a sense of denial or a sense of, uh, brushing off or treating something lightly. But the word well actually has synonyms like glowing, thriving, fortunate, right? So when you say it is well, you're not, you're not flippantly saying it's all good, it's fine, no, no big deal, no worries here. When you say it is well with my soul, are you saying it's glowing, it's thriving, I'm blessed, I'm fortunate. Or are you saying, I'm surviving, I'm barely hanging on. If somebody could throw me a lifeline, I'd really appreciate it, right? So I want you to kind of keep that in mind as we're uh, working through, through this tonight, right? Is it well with your soul tonight? That's the question that I have for each one of you. In other words, is your soul in good standing? Is it glowing? Is it thriving? Not just surviving, right? And if I could, I would take each one of you out to coffee and I'd sit across the table and I would ask you with all of the tenderness and genuine uh, you know, emotion that I could, could gather, I would say, how's it going? How's it going? How you doing? Where are you at? Let's talk. So that's the setup for tonight. That's what I want you to think. It's, it's you and me sitting across the coffee table, and I want to know how, how is it with your soul? How's it going? How you doing tonight? And if I know anything about ladies and anything about some of your stories, and those of you who maybe we have sat across the table and had a cup of coffee, Right? I know that there's heartache for some of you. I know that there is fear and worry and stress. Oh my goodness, the stress, right? That these kinds of conversations, if we allowed ourselves over that cup of coffee to be genuine and to be honest, that some of that would come pouring out, right? And I know just like Jason told you the story of the hymn writer, the lyricist, it, it blows me away that he was able to say and acknowledge even in the worst of circumstances, amidst heartache, abandonment, disappointment, tragedy, even death, it is well with my soul. 
And I want those words to, to carry that kind of weight that in the very depths of our soul, regardless of what's going on externally, that, that our status, right, can be it as well. You know, we love status updates, right? We absolutely love status updates. We're checking Facebook, news feeds, Twitter, right? We, we, we are interested in what you had for lunch today, right? Like you snapped the picture. I, I got your food status. I got your relationship status. Some of you are telling me your financial status, your job status, your social status, your education status. We check in, we scroll through, we update, we click, we like, and then some of us check out, don't we? We scroll and we scroll and we scroll, and the longer we scroll, what happens? Oh, look, she's pregnant. Oh, look, they just got a new house. Oh, Another new car, awesome. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm driving the beat down Honda over here, right? And we compare and we question and all the while we start feeling less and less and less like we measure up or that our lives are, are even worth, you know, sharing with the rest of social media. And I think that we can draw some encouragement from some of our favorite Bible characters, Bible heroes tonight. We're going to check in on what their status update might be. You with me? If you're with me, say I'm with you. Awesome. All right. So we're going to start in Genesis. It's a good place to start, right, in the beginning. And we're going to check in on somebody's relationship status right? Because I'm sure some of us out there, this is like top priority number one. I need to know what's going on. I'm waiting on a man, waiting on a this, waiting on a that, okay? Relationship status. So Genesis 24, if it had a status update, I imagine Isaac, that's one of our main characters, might have posted single, right? And his dad, if he was hip with it and had a Facebook account, right, might have said, Still no wife for Isaac, getting desperate, praying for a miracle. No hussies, no gold diggers, no Canaanites allowed. <laughs> now, if you're a parent, you know how big of a deal it is who your kid picks to marry. Amen? Right? Like this weighs on you. This stresses you out. Our girls know this. Um, and you, you maybe have heard us talk about this before, but Sadie and Nora, they, um, we have a, a common prayer around our house, and it goes something like this. Lord Jesus, we pray for the mighty men of God that you're sending our way one day. May they not be gangsters, losers, thugs, or bums. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So Sadie will say, all right, Sadie, it's your turn. We're going to pray tonight. What are we praying? No gangsters, no losers, no thugs, no bums. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So they know it. They know it, and it is a part of their, their language, and I want that. This mama wants that, right? No gay? I, feel, I figure that covers all the bases. But Abraham is old, and Sarah is gone. Now, we as the mamas, we can relate, right? Because we're the one that, that they've got to really get by. You know, the dads act all tough with the shotguns and, like, this whole business, but who do they really have to impress? The mamas, right? Well, Sarah is gone. Abraham is old. That's the exact language in Scripture. Abraham is old. Sarah is gone. So you can imagine how this father must feel that his son is still not married, right? 
And so Abraham, he has a plan. And he calls in one of his servants, and he gives this servant very specific instructions. This is in, in Genesis 24. It goes through and he, he outlines very, very specific instructions, okay? And after kind of clarifying a, a, few, a few, few key points, the servant, he, he's on his way. Now, I want you to imagine the pressure of this servant, okay? Yes, sir. Going to go find a wife for your son, sir. Yes, sir. Be right back, sir. Okay, right? And he's off on his journey, and he's thinking, what do I do if I can't find her? I mean, I can't go back. Like, this is a big deal. Isaac's going to marry. The, I'm, in, I'm responsible for this, right? You know what he does? I love this. Anybody know what he does? He prays. How great is that? He starts praying. Genius idea, right? He says, make me successful. Lord, on this journey, make me successful, right? And before he finishes praying, he finds himself at a well. Woo! And he looks up and he sees a girl. Oh my goodness. Don't you wish that was how your life went? I'm going to pray, Lord, make me successful. Woo! Look right there. That is awesome. That is incredible. Thank you, Jesus, right? Okay, he looks up and the Bible says, before he finished praying, Rebecca came out. Mm, Rebecca came out, right? And we know that she, there's a couple of, you know, stipulations that this servant has, has kind of played out in his mind. She's going to offer him water and who else or what else? The camels, right? Crazy. I mean, like these, these Bible kids, they're not afraid. They're not afraid. This is what I need. This is where I'm going. Lord, let it be, right? Okay? So he's at this well. He sees Rebecca, and it's, it's awesome. Like, it totally goes the way that he needed it to go. He has been a faithful servant, right? He has fulfilled what his master asked of him. And I want to challenge some of you, you know, if you find yourself in a place like Abraham, desperate, needing a solution, not knowing what's going to turn up next, right? That sometimes we might be missing out because we haven't prayerfully followed instructions. Abraham clearly defined what he needed from the servant. The servant was intentional, he was ambitious, he was prayerful, and he followed instructions. Followed instructions. All right, so we've got a well. And we've got a pretty lady. And we've got this servant who's, who's doing awesome. I don't know about you, but I need to get to a well. Amen? Say, I need to get to a well. There you go. Just a few chapters over, we've got another situation we're going to check in on. A friendship status. So maybe not relationships and the romance side of things might not be where you're at. But maybe it's a coworker, a friend, a neighbor. You got, you got something going on with a, with a friendship or type of status, okay? So we, we, we flip over just a few chapters. And after we've heard about Abraham and his son Isaac, we check back in with Isaac. And we find out in Genesis 26 that Abimelech said to Isaac, 
move away from us. You have become too powerful. Now, let me tell you something that can happen. Isaac, he, got, he was a blessed guy. Do you know this? If you read scripture, I mean, he's got a pretty, apparently like a smoking hot wife with a nose ring. So he's got that going for him, right? <laughs> so he's a blessed guy. But could you imagine being so blessed that somebody says, I'm going to need you to go away because all that good stuff that's happening to you is bugging me. That's awesome. And this is what happened. Abraham and Isaac and these guys who are living the way that God asked them to live, they just keep getting blessed. And it starts ticking people off, right? And I think that maybe some of us find ourselves in that place. God does something in our life and somebody shows up and they're like, I can't deal with her anymore, right? And what do we do as women? We get our feelings hurt, don't we? You know what the Philistines did because they were so irritated? Y'all know? They went and put dirt in the wells. They went and put dirt in the wells. Oh my goodness. Have you ever had somebody sabotage you? They're so irritated with you and things are so good in your life that they went and took it upon themselves to try and make your life worse? Oh, I, 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 somebody, somebody out there, y'all are with me, right? So Isaac moved away from there, fair enough, and he reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, that the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died, and he gave them the same names that his father had given them. Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water. Uh-oh. So we think, okay, okay, I got it. I'm going I'm to be the bigger person here. I'm going to go redig the wells. It's no big deal. It's fine. I'm going to move away because you and your bad attitude are getting to me. It's fine. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to redig the wells, right? And we think, okay, I've got it together. I'm being the bigger person. I'm going to take the high road. You know what happened? New group of people are irritated. And this new group of people, they say, Wait, 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 that water's ours. You can't come, mm -mm. no, that's our well. You're gonna have to move on. You think Isaac got upset and said, well, God just must not wanna bless me anymore. He must just not wanna do anything in my life anymore because people keep treating me bad. People keep getting me down. No, you know what the Bible says? After they said that water is ours, he dug another well. Now that is some perseverance right there. He dug another well. Oh, and guess what? Verse 21. They quarreled over that one too. I got some mad respect for Isaac, y'all. He has had people putting dirt in his wells. He tries to go redig it. The neighbors say, don't touch it. It's ours. He says, that's fine. I'm going to go on over here, try again. And they quarreled over that as well. Verse 22, he moved on. Oh, you need to mark it in your Bible if you got it. He moved on. He moved on. He's not posting that status on Facebook. He's not telling anybody else how awful they're treating him. He moved on. Just say it. He moved on. Come on. That'll, that's some of you. You needed that tonight, and we could call it done but we're not done. Here we go. He says, he moved on from there, dug another well, and no one quarreled over it. Woo! Amen. Praise Jesus. And he named it Rehoboth, saying, the Lord has given us room, and we will flourish in the land. Amen. Sometimes we miss out on what God has for us 
because we aren't willing to persevere. We get so stuck in our offense and our hurt feelings and making excuses about why we can't seem to overcome. And Isaac said, that's okay, I'm moving on. I'm moving on. So we've got relationship status, we've got friendship status, but how many of you may be, and you don't have to raise your hand, dealing with some family status, some family issues? You got some family baggage up in here. Well, we're moving right down the generational line. So you got Abraham, you got Isaac. Let's check in on Jacob. So Jacob, if you know anything about him, manipulative little guy, right? But he's determined, wants to be blessed, wants to live a life that, uh, you know, is, is connected to God, and it causes some real problems with him and his brother Esau. And so we find Jacob, this, you know, same family line, and he's running from his family strife. He's gotten into this big, huge fight, okay? He's pretty sure his brother wants to kill him. So I don't know what you have going on, but I'd say you're doing a little, slightly a little bit better if your brother doesn't want to kill you, okay? And he takes off, headed towards his uncle's land, and you know what happens? He ends up at a well. Promise. True story. He ends up at a well, and he sees a pretty girl. She's a shepherdess, and she's out doing her thing, right? Headed to the well. Her name's Rachel. And he says, she is pretty, right? So we see Jacob trying to run, trying to, to, to deal with all of this. And, and I'm going to j- jump just a little bit real quick because I, I think you'll see the connection here. Just a few chapters over. So we got Jacob, you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Just a few chapters later in Exodus, we get to another story that's almost the exact same, Moses. Y'all know that guy? Moses brought up in the Pharaoh's house with every extravagance and access and privilege that you can imagine. And he makes literally a fatal mistake and he kills somebody. He buries the body and he takes off running. So we got two guys with family problems taken off running. Moses disconnects from his family. He leaves all of it behind and he takes off headed for the desert, run into the desert, and you know where he ends up? At a well? He ends up at a well. That is crazy to me. Crazy to me. And you know what he sees at the well? Come on, do you know? A woman, a pretty girl. Her name's Zipporah, and she was also a shepherdess, okay? And here's what I want you to get. Some of you are missing out on what God has for you because you need to stop running, amen? You need to stop running. You got family problems, you got a past, you got some kind of situation, and you think the answer is to just keep running. You better get to a well. Everybody say, I'm getting to a well. I am getting to a well. You better stop running. Now, we can't talk about wells and pretty girls at wells without talking about my girl, 
woman at the well. <laughs> right? So way fast forward to the New Testament. John 4, we've got a woman at a well. Right? And I think kind of the obvious cultural answer here is that the well was, you know, one of the tasks that, that the, the females were kind of um, expected to, to take care of, right? They're doing the cooking, they're doing the, the washing and things like that. And so um, you have all these women who are visiting the well on a regular basis, okay? And she is hanging out at this well. And a man named Jesus, he shows up right in the middle of her life and in her situation. Verse 1 says, Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was getting, uh, gaining and baptizing more disciples, although in fact he was, uh, not, uh, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back to Galilee. Now, he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria, and uh, he is hanging out at guess who's well? Jacob! <laughs> He's hanging out at Jacob's well. Are you, that is crazy to me. Crazy. He is hanging out at Jacob's well. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. Now listen, if you know the Son of God has to sit down and get himself to a well, we better be willing to get ourselves to a well. Amen? Okay? And it says he's hanging out and resting and catching his breath, right? And a Samaritan woman comes to draw water, and Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Now, here's, this is free. I'm a, here's a side note. Maybe we need to be a little bit more servant-minded. You notice all the servant things that are happening here, right? People willing to draw water for somebody else. But that's, that's a whole other sermon. I got to get back to this one over here. Um, so here we go. Will you draw me some water? And she says, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. There she is already making excuses. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. You gotta get yourself to a well because you know who's the well? Jesus. Jesus. If you only knew he would give you living water. Amen. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water, he's talking about the water in the well, will be thirsty again. But he who drinks the water that I give will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give will become a spring welling up to eternal life. The woman said, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw. She's still not getting it, right? She's still not getting it. He told her, go call your husband and come back. Uh-oh. Uh, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, You've had five, and the man that you now have, 
He ain't your husband. What you have just said is true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that this is the place where we must worship in Jerusalem, that where we should worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, I love that he says that to her. Woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do, not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. A time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father. Okay, that's a lot of scripture, so let me break it down for you. First of all, this woman shows up and Jesus is straight up telling her, I am the living water. Say, he is the living water. Whoo, amen. And we've got to what? Get ourselves to a well. Say, I gotta get to a well. Absolutely. And guess what's gonna happen when you get there? Jesus is waiting on you. He is waiting on you but he's gonna ask for a couple of things in return. He told her to go get her husband. You have to be willing to obey. There is obedience on the line if you want living water. The second thing he's gonna ask you to do is to deal with what got you to the well to begin with. When he says, that man that you're living with, he ain't your husband, right? He's gonna force us to deal with whatever it is. Think about Jacob and Moses running from family strife, right? When you finally stop running, you gotta deal with it. Isaac, he doesn't get to just ignore the fact that the wells are stopped up. He had to deal with it, right? You gotta deal with it. Jesus is asking us to deal with it, but you know what the problem is? We've all got a well. And maybe yours is something like this. Somebody says to you in in conversation, how's the new job going? Well, oh, it's not what I was hoping it'd be. Maybe maybe somebody else, you know, knows that you've been dealing with elderly parents and they're checking in, how your parents doing? Oh, well, if, you know, if I could just, how about this one? Somebody's trying to be a good friend, and, and they say, how's that financial class going that, that y'all were doing? Well, you know, we tried to go, sort of. Well, hey, listen, how's your marriage? <laughs> well, let me tell you right now. We've all got a well. Maybe yours, maybe yours is this kind of well. Hey, how's that New Year's resolution? (laughs) It ain't going so well. (sighs) How's how's that situation with your your coworker? Not going well at all. Listen, I I know the last time we talked, you guys were were trying to have a baby. How's it going? (laughs) It's not going well. Hey, checking in on you. I know that you had some tests being run. What'd the doctor say? I'm not well. We've all got a well. But like the Samaritan woman and Jacob and Moses, and maybe for some of us tonight, we are at a critical life moment. And tonight has been a gift 
for you to stop and pause and take a moment and lean on that well. Let me catch my breath. Hey, listen, can you get me a drink of water? And there's a man who has come to make you well. He has come to make you well. He's come to make you well. There is a man, and his name is Jesus, and he has something to offer each and every single one of us. And I don't know about you, but I have to keep coming back to him. Not once, not twice, but every single time that I am tempted to think that it's not going well, that I can't make it, that I'm not gonna get through this one. And I say, he has come that I can say deep within my soul, it is well, 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 it is well with my soul. It is well. I want to close by giving you that opportunity, whatever that looks like for you, to have an interaction with Christ tonight. Just a few moments. If it's at your seat, if it's at these altars, we've got one more song. And I'm inviting you to have a conversation with a man named Jesus who's willing to give you that pause and that moment and that living water. Amen.